When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. I'm in a closet somewhere. I'm in the coach's closet at local school. He is Daryl Ryder. He's sitting in the Ryderland Studios. Or well, We need to come up with a name for your uh, area that you did. It's not really your office. We it's gotta- the green room. Yeah, it needs like um No, that's like, that's what it is. It is the green room. That is the because name. Because the walls are painted green? No. Because in the business where do you have the guests sit and wait to come on the air? The green but, room. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the waiting area. Daryl, that's the waiting area before you come on the air. Don't, You're don't, on the air. Don't don't rain on my bit. It 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 is the green room. It's been the green room since the day I moved into this house and painted uh, the walls angry hulk green. And then I think we can do better. I think it should be like I like uh, the green room. How about Ryder Worldwide Productions? Uh, do Letterman? No. Yeah, no. We can't do anything that I need to copyright. Because legally, I'm not allowed to copyright anything as long as I work for Odyssey. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Who's having more fun than we are right now? All right. So let's let's get into some of the offseason stuff with the Browns and uh let's have a little bit of fun the coaching staff uh seems to be settled is it settled completely Daryl? you tell me yeah i mean for the most part they, they got the three big ones right uh ken dorsey's the new offensive coordinator deuce staley's the new running backs coach and tommy reese is your new uh tight ends coach so those are uh at least from my perspective those are the big moves now they're not official yet but you know confirm that those are the moves and you know, we'll, we'll wait for an official announcement from the Browns. I imagine we'll have uh, media availabilities with uh, all these uh, new people. Um, they're the new collaborators, if you will, with Kevin Stefanski on whatever they plan to do with the offensive playbook this offseason to tweak it and make it more Deshaun Watson. If that's, a, I guess that's the thing, right? That That's what they're going to be doing this offseason is making things more Deshaun Watson. Um, okay. So, um you know the you know th- those are the big ones at least from where i sit the you know the, the biggest changes um you know uh let's not forget though um that they did have the special teams coordinator change i think that actually happened in february last year or yeah, it happened like, late. late yeah it was late in the process like it looked like prefer was going to come back and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, the Browns find out that Bubba Mentrone might be available. And voila, um, you know, uh, they, they went ahead and, and you know, ended up firing 
um Mike Creeper. and then and then hiring Bubba Ventron. They also which know, is by the way, which is extremely awkward in the coaching world because everyone's always scrambling to get new jobs when a coach gets fired or right. not. And so if you're sitting there in February without a job, you're probably in trouble. Right. And and here's the other thing too is uh yeah, let's not forget Ben Bloom. Uh it, um we'll see if he actually remains with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, you know, a change with the defensive line coach. And I, I think this was brilliant. They brought in Jacques Cesaire from the Houston Texans, who basically kicked their ass in the wild card game. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Let's be honest about it. So yeah. I, I think that that's, you know, a, a brilliant hire um by Kevin Stefanski, uh, as well as Jim Schwartz there to, you know, tweak some things uh, in, uh, on the defensive side of the, uh, of the ball, uh, on the defensive line, and, and how they want to coach that up and that. But I, I do think Bloom did a nice job uh, last year uh, with the, the defensive front, especially with all the new pieces that they brought in last offseason. So, yeah, so we're at four coaching changes made by the Browns. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, I'm anticipating official announcements coming uh, here in the next couple of days. And then we'll probably have an opportunity to either go out to Berea and visit with these folks or, you know, talk to them over Zoom. All right. So here's my big burning question on this, Daryl, that, you know, it's not that I'm anti Ken Dorsey at all, because I'm not. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's saying. I didn't you know, I liked him when he was a player. I like, you know, I liked him, especially in college. And then, you know, he seems like a good guy. Um, But I'm trying to figure out what makes Ken Dorsey better than Alex Van Pelt. Well, I, I think that when you look at the the change, it, it, I think it's multifaceted why they've done this, right? And we, we okay. talked a little bit about it. <clears throat> Alex was here for four years, right? Right. And he wasn't called in plays. And I feel like that that relationship professionally went as far as it was going to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes and, sense. And everyone, and when you say something like that, everyone wants to attach a negative connotation to that. And, and I, I get it. Like, I, I get it. Because anytime you make a change or you fire someone, right, there there is a, an inherent negative connotation that comes with that. But um, I, I think that Kevin Stefanski looked at the situation and was like, hey, you know, what? we've taken this as far as we can take it, right? We pulled back the, the, the curtain on the offense last year, peeled it back, rebuilt some things. Um, and we got mixed results in the time that Deshaun was on the field. We got to see moments of brilliance. I mean, the Cincinnati game, it was sloppy weather. So we didn't get to really see Air Watson take effect there. Um, and then, of course, Deshaun got hurt not once but twice. And ultimately, his season came to an end. So now you bring in a guy like Ken Dorsey, um, and he's just yet another new uh, assistant coach that has Brown's ties, right? I mean, he's a former quarterback, was here from 2006 to 2008, did not play in a game until the 2008 season. He ended up starting three games that year, um, lost all three games. Uh, that was the year that the Browns ended up losing. They, like, I, I believe, finished four and 12 coming off the uh, the 10 and six season. And, you know, Romeo Cornell and Phil Savage had just gotten contract extensions from former owner Randy Lerner. Everyone was feeling great. And then of course, Braylon Edwards being the knucklehead he was as a player uh, decided to run around training camp without shoes on and he got stepped on and well, kids will be kids. And and that just, you know, and then of course they went to New York in the preseason to play the giants who beat the living crap out of them. And half the team got hurt in that game. And it just, it spiraled the injuries that year spiraled and, 
<laughs> the season basically ended the the highlight of the year, which everyone will remember the Phil Savage bleep you go root for Buffalo uh, email. And uh, I don't know if I ever text message, right? Text yeah, message. The, the email. Uh, I don't know if I ever told this story uh, on the on the podcast, but I I I spoke to Terry Pluto about it, and I I got his permission to tell this story because it involves him. So the Browns are playing at Buffalo. I'm I'm in the press box in the row in front of both Terry Pluto and Phil Savage. Okay. Um, and and both men are, you know, deeply rooted in their faith and, you know, uh, right. certainly, you know, respect and understand that. So right. uh, throughout much of the game, I could overhear them, um, you know, exchanging faith-based thoughts and, you know, gospel. Not, the gospel you know, a little bit. Bible verses that meet, you know, have meaning in their lives and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and, and it, it was great. I mean, I felt like I was in church for four hours. I, I was in one of the cathedrals of football at, uh, uh, what they now call Highmark stadium in Buffalo. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I had two of the nicest human beings that you will ever meet on this earth in, uh, you know, Phil Savage and, and, and Terry Pluto, uh, sitting behind me. And um, it's just, it's ironic that that night after, you know, all of that um, and the Browns ended up losing the game, then the, you know, the story breaks that a fan receives an email from Phil Savage after the game because the fan was pissed that the Browns lost and it was a bleep you go root for Buffalo. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this the gospel according to Phil? That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> but you know, and, and it just, it was so odd. And I, and I remember the press conference in Berea too, because Phil like had to come down and, and do a mea culpa press conference. And, I had, you know, I, I know Phil, like it was just so out of character no. for him because really again, out of character. I mean, I agree. Just one of the most genuine down to earth, nice men in the sport of football that you, not even just the sport of football, just on this planet that you're ever going to meet. Same with Terry Pluto. They're just sure. the salt of the earth. They're just wonderful human beings. They're easy to talk to. Um, like I had a great time in Canton this past, um, uh, uh, August, uh, when Joe went into the Hall of Fame, I had an opportunity to catch up uh, with Phil Savage. He gave me a big hug when he saw me in that, and just such a great guy. But I always, when I think of the 2008 season, I, I, I just, I, I don't think of Ken Dorsey starting three games for the Cleveland Browns. I, I, I think, I, I, I think of that email that you know, and I've been there. Like, dude, you know how many times I've given someone the finger that I've regretted it? <laughs> like, yeah, hey, you know, you're just you telling know. them. They're number one, like right. our listeners and our viewers right now on It's right. Always Game Day in Cleveland. Hey, speaking of that, we'll come back in a minute. We've got a lot more to talk about when it comes to the playoffs. And uh, how about a stadium uh, story that we can get into and maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff uh, I've got from uh, Baskin and Phelps. So it's always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It is always game day in Cleveland. Uh, Daryl, any uh, interesting things we need to talk about right here in the beginning of the second segment? Yeah, I, I guess I have to wish everyone a, a happy uh, anniversary for mobile yeah. sports betting, which became yeah. in the state of Ohio uh, in January of 2023. Checking my calendar right now. It is now January of 2024, and it's almost over. But 
With uh, that in mind, BetQL is here to help you make those uh, best informed bets possible. You can get all of today's best bets. Just head to BetQL.com or even better, just download the BetQL app where you can claim a free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan where you can get a bunch of exclusive sportsbook offers. All right, Daryl, I want to talk to you about your conversation with the mayor. You had a chance to catch it. What was it, Cleveland Sports Awards or was that no, another day? No, this was the the, the big concert. Oh, announcement. the concert announcement that they could have done. Uh, it as could an have email. been an email. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cleveland how bad scene, is that? Cleveland scene nailed it, man. <laughs> like, because like Justin, the the funny thing too is, is the next day Justin Timberlake announces a tour date at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. That probably should have been a press conference, right? Because I agree, it should have been, especially after Saturday Night Live this week. But yeah, so it's going to be Billy Joel and Rod Stewart. September 13th at Cleveland Brown Stadium. So, like, they had this big buildup, right? Ever, it was funny because the mayor was there. Uh, obviously, the, the great folks from Live Nation that helped put on all these great events in in North Northeast Ohio. They, was like, Billy Joel there. there? No, Billy Joel and Rod Stewart did not make it. But they they had ah, some that great, would have been a press conference worth going to. They they had some uh, nice jerseys hanging in the in, in the lockers or whatever. But um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, and you know, everyone um. You know, with the like the list of people there, you, you, everyone joked that you know their phones had been blowing up because everyone wanted to know what the big announcement was going to be. And it turns out the piano man, Billy, love Billy Joel. Um, it's going to be Billy Joel uh, and, uh, and and Rod Stewart. So, uh, backstory: I have been trying to chase the mayor down for like the longest time <clears throat> to get him on the record uh, about the Brown Stadium situation because. Okay. He hasn't said very much publicly about it. Um, it's been in spurts. I, I think, I think uh, Cleveland.com has had a comment or two from him, and maybe it might have been either Cleveland Magazine or Cleveland Scene uh, might have had a like where he had said something. So I wanted to, uh, and he saw me, um, and this was like my third crack at it because the previous two times I swung and missed. He got out of there before I could get to him. So. Um, press conference is over and that was like the primary reason i went aside from helping out our sister stations of you know uh those that uh don't know uh you know andy and i of course work for 92.3 the fan uh we have uh, 98.5 wncx which is also uh the radio home of ncx and then of course we have q104 and star 102 uh in our family of radio stations as well so uh, it was good that I went, got the, you know, got some stuff for for those stations so that they could use in their programming and, uh, you know, gave them the press conference audio. So whatever they wanted to use from that press conference, they could. So long story short, <clears throat> all done. And I'm trying to find the mayor and I get nervous because I think that he snuck out on me again. Right. So right. Then, I, then I see him head toward the door and oh, I you sp- got him. I sprinted across the room and it was <laughs> funny because of, um, uh, a Browns employee uh, joked with me that that was the fastest they ever saw me move. <laughs> Ooh, that was your 40 time. You might be a defensive back for, you know, so, um, so I was able to get, and if you saw the video that I posted online, you can tell that I am the last guy the mayor wants to be talking to in the video. Like you can just tell his eyes are everywhere. Like he's like, he's got the, will someone come save me from this a-hole? Like, I nice. don't want to be here right now. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. Okay. So what happened? What happened? Um, you got so there. basically here's the thing. Um, you know, things aren't, they don't seem to be moving right now. It, it seems to be they're They're kind of stuck in the mud. I think is the way I'll describe things. Right. 
Okay. Uh, not not a lot of momentum forward to uh, either get a new stadium slash dome built for the Browns or to renovate the existing one. And so uh, I, I wanted to, you know, to soften the mayor up. I asked him about the concert, you know, uh, and, and for those kind of getting into business, a uh, little interview one-on-one, when they tell you you got two minutes, you really do have two minutes. That's number one. But number two, never hit them with the question you want to ask right out of the gate. Right. Always soften them up. Throw them a softball. You know, that's a running joke in our business. Oh, you just lumped them. You want to do that, loosen them up, make them comfortable, get them talking, and then you hit them with the question that you really want to ask. So uh, he was real happy to talk about, um, you know, uh, getting another concert uh, into the stadium. And I said, well, hey, you know, since we're here, uh, the, the future of this building is what everyone wants to talk about right now and, and what's going to happen to this place. Because, quite frankly, the clock is ticking. Like, y'all need to get it together here. Um, and he he – was very matter of fact. He said, my goal, and I'm paraphrasing here, but his message was that as mayor, his goal is to keep the Browns on the lakefront in that building. Um, did not really seem to want to engage in any conversation about building something new somewhere else. Now, mm. not to say that that's not on the back burner, because I can tell you over at 76 Lugrosa Boulevard, it's on the back burner. It has been talked really? about. It, it they have thought about it, um, but right. Okay, now, so there, I just want to make sure it's on the back burner that they could possibly be playing in a stadium that is not on the lakefront. That's exactly what you're saying. Possibly, but as we have this conversation right now, it's a very slim possibility. But the oh, point okay. is, they've had the conversation, and it, and it, it, it and they should have the conversation because that's kind of part of the the process you go through here. Now, I have been very out front and saying they ought to get the hell off the lake. Uh, let that be city developed land and a beautiful landscape and development for people to enjoy and not have a football stadium in the middle of all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. It just, that stadium feels out of place. Let's get it out of there, put it in a better spot that you can get to out by the airport would be fantastic. Also because that's like two minutes from my house. Um, but um, you know, I just believe that a new stadium would serve the team better in the short term as well as the long term because the the current stadium was built half-assed. It was built on a fast track. It wasn't built right. It wasn't built well. And so now you're having to go back and correct all these things. You know, the, the uh, service level of the stadium. Well, it only runs from the northeast end of the stadium okay the northeast end of the dog pound wraps around down to the southwest end of the stadium but the entire southwest over to southeast and going up to actually you know more so northeast part of the right. stadium mm -hmm. that that is that there's no service level there there's so, nothing uh, under the dog pound is what you're trying to say. No. And there's, really on, and there's nothing on the south side either. So they have to excavate and underpin all that so they can get that 360-degree service wow, level. Wow, you're right. I never really stadium. thought about it. Yeah, what were they thinking when they built the stadium that there was no service levels? They were thinking money. It was oh. cheaper to do it this way. Wow, and that so, was silly. I mean, there right. really wasn't a whole lot. Right. And so It's now, a tunnel. I mean, really all it is is a tunnel. Well- it's a little more than that. But so now they want to excavate all that, underpin it, 
and so they can add more clubs, expand mm-hmm. the locker room spaces, yeah, and they things need like it. because they don't have the room for any of that. And now in today's media age, like I remember when Amazon came for the Prime game, mm-hmm. I was told they had like forty five cameras for that game. They yeah. came in like on a Sunday afternoon, and they were still setting up for that game on Thursday afternoon, and it aired Thursday night. That I mean, that's how in depth that Amazon. Yeah, I mean that's pretty was. typical for a big league production. I I, I understand that, but all the trucks had to be outside. Oh, they're all out there right behind the stadium. There's, yeah, there's nowhere to park there's them. There's nowhere to put them in the stadium. Now, right, they do have TV trucks to come into that service tunnel there uh, on the north side of the stadium, and they'll park in there, or whatever. But all the overflow has to be outside. So there are constraints on the service level, first and foremost. Um, you know, the, it, it, there are changes that the Browns like to make to the seating bowl, which requires engineering and, and, and reconfigurations and things like that. Um, there's clubs that they want to add, you know, all these, you see these field level clubs, they've tried to add them, uh, in the visitors tunnel and in the Browns tunnel there. Uh, but we're talking, you know, how they added the field seating this past year, they got mm-hmm. permission to add an additional row of seats. The one area I don't like that they did that was in front of the dog pound. I think that the general, I think Joe Schmo fan, diehard Browns fan, should always have front row in the dog pound and not someone that paid ten to $20,000 for a front row ticket in the dog pound. Because I think it's just special that, you know, the tradition in Cleveland is when you score on that end of the stadium, you you jump in. Because you're not supposed to jump in. That's actually no. grandfathered in. Lambo Leap is, is grandfathered in. And the dog pound jumps are, you know, because the league doesn't the want only players two teams to, in the NFL that are allowed to do it. Like, the league doesn't want players jumping into the stands. I get it. I get you, it. I you understand know. it. Um, I, but so there's so many things that have to be done to that stadium just to modernize it and make it work in the modern environment today. Mm-hmm. That cost a lot of money. Um, but it's a city building. So that was the second question I asked him about. Like, hey, is there a thought to make this a regional facility instead of it being owned by the city of Cleveland and it's tough cookies. You own it. It's your building. You're responsible for it. Um, and he Did you get an answer. Yeah. He said, they're trying to get the state and the County involved in this project. And well, maybe that's and, and, be- and, and make this a regional partnership, but you're talking mm-hmm. in excess, Andy of a billion dollars to do this. Oh, for sure. Just, just to fix this thing. Now, granted a new stadiums, 2 billion for the cheapo version, right? The new modern version of Cleveland Brown Stadium. And, and is that without a roof or with a roof? It is with a roof, but it's like bare bones roof. You know what I mean? Like it's like, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? Now, if you want the stadium with some bells and whistles in it, well, you're talking about two and a half billion dollars. If you'd like the roof to come off and be have the flexibility to go dome and no dome, now you're talking upwards of three billion dollars and also keep in mind too like construction costs are blowing up so it was good to get the mayor on the record his position is he's focused on the lakefront project david gilbert our good friend Mm -hmm. uh is involved in the lakefront development uh project he is uh you know part of the the i don't know the council the committee whatever the the thing is He's got his hand. God love him. I don't know how he does it. He's got the Cleveland Sports Commission. He's got Destination Cleveland. He's got a bunch of other projects. And now he's adding this lakefront development uh, that the city of Cleveland uh, wants to do down there to his portfolio as well. So I talked to him uh, about it. Uh, We actually had him on the station with Jonathan Peterlin at the Cleveland Sports Awards. 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it is going to be a tough conversation and they're running out of time to have it. Like if you build a new stadium, they basically from my, in my math, they need to have the stadium completed by opening day, 2029. Right. Oh, that eliminates us from the 2028 Super Bowl. Yeah. They, well, they need to basically have financing in place within the next 12 to 18 months. Because then once you have your money in place, you got to go site acquisition and remediation before you can even begin. You're talking about moving, though. Again, you're yeah, talking about if, moving. If you yeah, build so. brand new. So if you're going to build something new, time is short. Now, if you're totally committed to staying where you're at, which I think is the wrong decision, you got a little longer because now you're looking at a progressive field style timeline where it's two, two and a half years. Oh, by the way, I want to ask you about that in a second about progressive field. Finish that timeline thought. Yeah, so you've you've got probably then till the end of 2025, maybe into 2026, because there is no site acquisition and remediation and all that. It's a lot of the architectural work is being done behind the scenes, from what I understand, uh, by the Browns anyway, because it's part of their presentations to the city and, and stuff of, you know, OK, if we're staying in this building, this is what we do. What I would love to know, and I haven't been able to pin this down, I would love to know if the Browns have new stadium plans drawn. That's the oh, one thing that's the one like, again, it's something that they've talked about that. Hey, if we can't get this done, we might have to build something new. That's the one thing I've not been able to pin down. If the Browns have new stadium plans hidden in a drawer somewhere. Hmm, interesting. All right. It's always game day in Cleveland. We got a lot more to talk about. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder, and I am Andy Baskin. At least I still think I am. Yeah, I just checked your driver's license. Did you check your driver's license, your name tag, your credential? Sure. All right, uh, a couple of things we can talk about today. Maybe we can talk about in the next uh, podcast, too. Um, I just want to – I'm going to give you a little behind-the-scenes stuff on something that happened last week on Baskin and Phelps. You want that? Sure. We do that? What okay. did you want to ask me real quick? You want to ask me something about Progressive Field. Oh, you took pictures of it. Yeah, I saw you I, had new pictures up there. Yeah, uh, it's it's coming along. The blue seats. So here's my question. When I looked at your pictures and yeah. I saw that right field that there are no more stands in the upper deck. It's gone. It is it's gone. cleared out. And it and it's the same way down the left field line now. The last four sections, you know where the Terrace Club was? Yeah. The last Terrace four sections, gone. that's what so what they're doing in right field with the bars and the awnings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're doing the same thing down the left field line. It looks really weird. It, it be, you is know the Terrace I mean? Club totally gone? Yeah, and the Terrace Club's been taken out. Uh, that's going to be an open air thing uh, that they're going to do. I don't know why, but that's what they're doing. Uh, the roof has been taken off the executive building of the Guardians. The you can see in the windows, the every floor has been gutted down to the bare steel because um, okay. they're basically rebuilding that building. Uh, from the shell, right. they're going to add another floor to the top of it. But it's really weird. But I. I'll say this, as weird as the right field upper deck looks like now, um, it is an improvement over the the the, the Port of Cleveland uh, crates, shipping crates. That used well, to that's good. There. I'm good for that. Here, here's my question. Is it going to affect balls going into the outfield? I don't know. Because to me, it was really windy this morning when I was walking in, and I was, I was thinking about your pictures, and I was like, man, a if lot. you get a pretty good wind gust – a lot from the east side going to the west side yeah a lot more winds going to get through that seating bowl now because here's the other weird thing is they're leaving the existing structural steel for the upper deck in place right like 
it just it looks weird to me. I I I get why I'm not criticizing them doing what they're doing because the the reality is the days of them getting forty two thousand fans in that ballpark for uh, every night that that's long gone, right? Right. The only time you're going to get that kind of a crowd if it's for postseason baseball. Um, All star game's not coming back here anytime soon because they just had one in I think 2019. No, and we had to change the name of the team to get it. So yeah. Um, well, we have to change the name of the team. No, they, again dropped, to get they it again. dropped Wahoo first. They had to get rid of Wahoo. They traded Wahoo for the uh, All Star game, and then I think they changed. I I don't know what they traded the team name for. Uh, It'll be but, interesting when they have new owners if they keep this name or not. I, yeah. I'm still keeping that in mind. I'm just curious if that. Yeah. Um, but the so the ballpark is going to be uh, the blue. All the seats are going to be blue. Right. But for this upcoming season, it's basically from foul line to foul line in the lower blue. deck will be blue and then the rest of the seats will be green so all the seats they took out and right uh, down the left field line andy mm-hmm. those are being put back in on the right field line where the shipping containers were okay you, you know what i'm saying because those containers yeah. were the they came in toward the mm-hmm. infield so right those seats those seats are being put back but yeah the concrete risers and all the seats the last four sections above the terrace club on the left field line and then the entire upper deck in the right field line or in right field, I should say all gone. And it's going to be wide open. I wonder you know, how many like, seats are, are they, how many seats are they pulling out? Do you know? uh, they, it, the capacity is going to stay the same. Okay. And it's still going to be around 30. But the standing room count into the capacity then? Yeah. But so they've added so much more standing room. Yeah. And that, and that's what they're doing is, um, the, the purpose behind this and originally when they put the shipping containers in their thought was, Hey, we're going, you know, we want to create social spaces for fans, right? They did that in lower deck in, in the left field corner, right field corner, those drink rails. Yeah. Um, and, and they did that behind home plate too. They put some drink rails behind home plate. Uh, apparently well, they gutted out all the jury box seats up there too, to put yeah. another club in. Yeah. Right. And apparently kids today don't want chairs to watch a ball game. They want to stand around to watch a ball game. So that's so the Guardians are adapting. So even though I say like the ballpark looks really weird with those sections taken out and the structural steel remaining, I'm not criticizing what they're doing because I get it. Like they're stu- they they did extensive studies on this stuff, and this is part of like what the Browns want to do too. Like you know, people I guess don't want to sit in chairs. The Cavaliers did this to a degree at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse too. Like. I guess people don't want to sit at chairs and sporting events all the time. They want to be able to get up and walk around and congregate and hang out and drink their booze and stuff like that. So, you know, you're adapting your ballparks and your arenas and your stadiums to, to suit that type of uh, an environment. So I'm sure, sure ballpark's going to look like and how it's going to play when it's all said and done. Um, there's going to be some more LED screens on the outside of the park added. Uh, that's going through the Cleveland City Planning Commission phases right now. Uh, there's going to be new lighting. All the, the so when the ballpark is lit up at night from the exterior, it's mm-hmm. going to team colors lighting. It's not just going to be white lighting. It's going to be red and blue, uh, Guardians red and blue lighting. Uh, they're going to you know put in uh, state of the art LED systems and stuff. So it'll be good when it's all done. But um, uh, the Guardians will be the players will be real happy in what is this 2024. In yep. 2025, they're going to be really happy because they get a new clubhouse. The entire service level is getting gutted and rebuilt next right. season. And that'll and be new. Are club. they moving to the third base side then? No, they're staying on the third base side. They thought about moving to the first base side because there's more room on that space to. Oh, expand. right, 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 right. 
uh, you know, their team facilities and that, but they figured right. out a way where they can take the visiting clubhouse, slide it down the right field line where like the concessionaire is. The concessionaire now has been moved to East 9th Street. They're building a, they're closing it. Know that open space between the ramp and the stairwell on East 9th? Yeah. That's now all being closed in and that's where the concessionaire is going to be. So now they're going to take the visiting clubhouse on the first base side, move it down the right field line. Not like, you know, Wrigley Field. Without like, moving the dugout. Right, without right? moving the dugout. Mm -hmm. And then the Guardians can have their expanded clubhouse and team service spaces uh, while maintaining the clubhouse on the third. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people know this. On the visitor side, there is an auxiliary clubhouse yes. that a lot of the staff uses sometimes, yeah. or at least the staff was using because they never really needed it. And I'm sure That's that if they had, like, yeah, if they had high school teams coming in or something like that, that they could use that clubhouse or whatever. And then I'm, I'm gathering that the press conference room is probably going to be gone too, don't you think? Well, they we have a press conference room. They made a new one. Well, yeah, but I mean, they had the the giant press conference. Oh yeah, room. that the, yeah that that's going to go away. Yeah, the small the small press conference room was it used to be uh, the like an elliptical area or not. It used to be like a yoga area with with. Yeah. All kinds of mirrors and stuff on. I so. do miss the days where we used to go in and we just walk into the manager's office and talk to him and then walk across the hall to the clubhouse. I do miss. Yeah, it was just days. easy. It was easy. Now, and then if now it's more formal. You go down. You go in into the media room. They bring the stars of the game in after sometimes before, sometimes after the manager or whatever. And then when you're done in there, you go down to the clubhouse and get whatever other additional. All four people that are still you there. Know, what other I, color you need. Daryl, I'm going to save my behind the scenes story. Oh no, I got to no, 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 no. Got to hear it now. Let's go. No, no, absolutely not. No, we don't have time. Oh, come on, we got to do a little. We got to do a little. Yeah, I'll give you a little tease. It has to do with Ed Kelsey, and I mean, like, I don't want to tell the story in like one minute. So, it, it's just it's it's the byproduct of of doing a story with Ed Kelsey and watching it blow up all over the place. So, <laughs> I'll save that one. I'll save that one and then getting ripped in a pretty big national paper. Not, I mean, we didn't get crushed, but you, you went, viral. Uh, there was a headline that ripped us pretty good. So you, you went, you joined me in going viral for all the right reasons. Yeah, this wasn't, I, you know, it's, it's okay. Like I asked a question that went viral. That was really awesome. That turned out to be great. Jeff asked a question that some people aren't looking at the right way. And I'll explain <laughs> that on the next one. So, We'll do that in the next edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. For our producer, our amazing producer, Meredith Kane, thank you very much. Uh, it is always game day in Cleveland.